Consider these two questions. First, in what year was the first text sent? And second, when did human beings start speaking to one another? Stay tuned for answers to both questions and why the battle between texting and face-to-face communication has consequences for us all. My name is Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. So what about these two questions then? When was the first text sent? Well, according to Wikipedia, it was the 3rd of December 1992. Okay, so that seems fairly clear cut. But the second question is a bit harder to answer because nobody really knows when human beings started speaking to each other. Um, Because there's no record. Who knows? I mean, estimates vary between 50,000 years and a million years. And in a, in a kind of a way, it doesn't really matter because the answer is an awful long time ago and also an awful lot longer than the time that we've been texting each other. So the reason I mention this is because a few um, days ago, in fact, a couple of weeks ago now, I was asked by my daughter to speak at her high school. She's actually a teacher there. Um, she teaches biology at um, our local high school, and the audience would be uh, a number of teenagers. She estimated there'd be around 60, 60, 300 turned up, um, which was fine. I mean, it was a really nice, um, you know, energy in the room. The vibe was really good. I was one of three speakers on the day, um, a couple of external lecturers, including me, um, preceded by the headmaster, uh, who spoke about incentives. That was actually very interesting, you know, the way that we can incentivize human behavior. I was on next, um, and then there was a, a very sort of eminent uh, cancer specialist as the third lecturer. Um, I hasten to add the children weren't forced to sit through three back-to-back hour-long lectures. I think they wheeled out one audience and wheeled in another audience. But nonetheless, there was a really good um, group of people there in front of me that day. And Mary, my daughter, um, asked me a while ago, well, what, what do you want to speak about? And I did actually post on LinkedIn that I was doing this. And I asked uh, my LinkedIn network, what would you want me to say to um, the students? You know, what, what would you be curious for, for them to hear from me uh, almost on your behalf in a way? And I think a lot of people associate me with verbal communication. I call it storytelling, but it's really how you frame and deliver a message how you connect with an audience. So I kind of decided that that had to be my theme. But obviously, I've got to make it more relevant to um, the kids in front of me. And obviously, I'm aware that they have grown up in the age of digital communication. They've only really known this world, which is why I started by asking them that question, when was the first text sent? Um, we established it was 1992. Then obviously I pointed out that we've been communicating a lot longer than that face to face. And for that reason, a lot of the way that we function as human beings when we are trying to communicate and connect with each other to be understood, to influence, uh, to connect with people is hardwired into us to work on an in-person basis. 
So we learn to read people. We learn to, um, you know, the skill of empathy. We learn to gauge how a message is likely to be received. Um, and therefore, we might want to soften the words as they land um, to maybe reduce the impact of a difficult message, for example. Now, a lot of the, the, the work or the inspiration for what I spoke to them about that day um, and my pitch basically was that, you know, you have to invest in your verbal communication skills, even though you're probably more comfortable communicating through your smartphone. Um, and I wanted to, to use some of the research that was done by a, 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 a woman I admire greatly. She's called Professor Sherry Turkle, T-U-R-K-L-E. She's an American-based professor. And she's been researching way back since the 1970s the impact that technology has on the way that we communicate with each other. And, and by no means is she a, a, a critic of the existence of technology. She's actually a big fan of technology. But I think she makes an interesting point, and I agree with this, that we've got the balance wrong, whereby, you know, it's almost like it's controlling us rather than it's, it being a tool to help us, you know, drive our own um, wishes and uh, it facilitates our own well-being. It's almost as if it's controlling us and it's the wrong way around. So I asked the kids, I asked the students, I shouldn't call them kids. <laughs> I asked the students how they felt about this, you know, whether they could connect with some of the evidence that uh, Sherry Turkle has come up with. Uh, and, and they did. They did recognize some of the dangers, some of the shortcomings of communicating this way. So some of the, the, the things that, that Turkle has um, concluded from her research, and, and one book in particular that I've read is called Reclaiming Conversation. And it's a great title because I do fear that we may lose the, the skill of face-to-face -face conversation if we are continually using our thumbs um, across that digital divide rather than doing it in, in person with each other. So Turkle actually, um, for her research, has interviewed oh, probably thousands of people across the, the whole range of American society primarily. Um, teachers, parents, uh, young children, students, um, managers, leaders and ask them about their relationship with technology and how they are communicating with each other, whether it's facilitating it, whether it's hindering it. And some of the outcomes of her research, I think, are fascinating. A lot of young people in her experience worry about having face-to-face -face conversations. They, they, they build up an anxiety about having these in-person uh, interactions because of the unpredictability of them. The fact that they're all done in real time, uh, they have to react in the moment, um, they can't edit what they want to say, which they can do when they're texting one another. And I think this is really interesting, because if, if that's the case, then we are not uh, developing the skill of improvisation, of being able to read people and adapting the things that we say so that we can, for example, soften a difficult message. We also don't know um, what the recipient of a text is doing at the moment that they receive it. 
you know, they may be in a very bad mood, they may be stressed out, they may be dealing with a difficult situation. And if they don't reply or they reply in a way that we weren't expecting, um, we find it very unsettling um, and all sorts of misunderstandings and um, anxieties can be generated because of that vacuum of knowledge, which wouldn't have happened if we just picked up the phone to speak to them or we had actually um, you know, met them face to face. Sherry Turkle relates a, a really interesting story, which I did share with the um, with the students in the school, about a young woman who had been um, broken up with by her boyfriend uh, via text, of course, not face to face, and she was obviously very upset. Uh, and her friend, her best friend, said to her, "Well, let, let's meet at the cafe, and you know, I'll, I'll, we'll have a chat, uh, presumably to console her friend." Um, having received that bad news. So she, she met this uh, her friend at the cafe. And unfortunately, throughout much of the time that they were together, the, the young girl who'd been broken up with spent her time looking at her phone, dealing with or responding to the online reaction to the news, rather than talking to the a friend who, who'd taken the trouble to sit with her face to face. Um, and I thought that was very telling. I actually asked the students that day in the school how they would have felt if they'd been in the position of the friend. Uh, and they said, well, you know, pretty upset. Um, so, you know, they're, they're aware of some of the, 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 the dangers of dropping into these these habits, I guess, because the phone demands our attention. It's, a, it's an incredible, um, incredibly hungry device for drawing us in. And what, again, one of the things that Turkle's identified, particularly amongst younger people, but it's not exclusively young people, it's, it's, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well, is that whenever we are in a position where nothing much is happening, let's say we're in a queue in a coffee shop, we pull out our phone and we maybe check for messages or, you know, what's happening on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever we almost have to fill a lull in activity or a little dip in activity with something. Um, And the younger people that she's spoken to um, identified a fear of boredom. You know, they can't have, they can't handle these dips in activity where there's a lack of stimulation. They have to have something, you know, that, that, that will fill that void. And I think the problem with that, which she correctly identifies, is it squeezes out the time that we have to just be. To be alone with our thoughts, to reflect a little bit uh, or maybe create to mull things over, to just stare out of the window and let our mind go wherever it wants to go. And oddly enough, professors in the States where she did a lot of her research are now advocating uh, that their students daydream occasionally. <laughs> in in my day, we were told off for staring out of the window, but of course we didn't have a, a smartphone to distract us. So isn't that interesting that they're advocating daydreaming uh, so that we do sort of allow ourselves this time when nothing much is happening? We're going to take a quick break now to hear from an actor, writer, coach and fellow podcaster, Jackie Goddard. Her show is called Power to Speak and she interviews a range of wonderful people 
each of whom has a fascinating and inspiring story to tell. Here's just a taste of what you can expect. My creativity at its best, it's a real exploring, it's a surprising journey. I think creativity is just the the antidote to insanity and it's productive originality. Surprising answers, inspiring stories, motivational, educational, inspirational. Wise words with power to speak the podcast. Find us on your favourite podcast platform or watch on YouTube at Power to Speak the Podcast with me, Jackie Goddard. Thank you, Jackie. And now back to our theme. So the first half of my talk was mostly about, um, you know, this pitch for developing verbal face-to-face communication skills rather like a muscle if you don't exercise a muscle it will wither away it needs to be exercised if you're going to keep it in good shape um, as opposed to always defaulting to the smartphone and, and using thumbs rather than mouth to communicate so that was the, the first half primarily and then in the second half I focused on six what I consider to be really vital um softer skills, communication skills, which will serve the students well um, throughout their lives, throughout their careers. It will help them navigate the ups and downs that they'll experience over the coming years um, and give them more, shall we say, adaptability and resilience to deal with a lot of things that that create um, anxiety amongst them, like how to manage relationships um, and how to deal with adversity and how to build good, productive relationships around human connection, deep human connection. So let's have a look at these six topics. So they were, A, speaking clearly and with musicality, uh, to have a nice voice, some nice sort of uppy-downiness, and a bit of variety in the tone and and, and clarity in the way that we express words, the way that we articulate things. Um, I I got one of them actually to volunteer. (laughs) I didn't get them to volunteer. I asked for a volunteer uh, and a young man gladly put his hand in the air, said, I'll volunteer. (laughs) He didn't know what he was volunteering for. And I asked him to read out the football results. Uh, And it's something I often do in my workshops, whereby I invite people to read them out in a way that's got a little bit of feeling behind it. So I asked him to read them out, first of all, without any instruction. Then I told him how, uh, you know, radio announcers sometimes do it with a bit of uppy-downiness, a bit of musicality. Um, And then he did it again and he got a round of applause because it was noticeably different. It was more of the Manchester United 4, Arsenal 1, you know, the up-and-downiness. Because you have to feel the words that you're saying. You have to almost sense what it would be like to be on the the winning side or the losing side when you read their their number out. I did make the point, of course, that that footballers, uh, because I played a clip of a footballer being interviewed with a very flat, monotone voice. Footballers, yes, do earn a lot more money than professional broadcasters. um, But their careers are very short, You know, they may be nearing retirement by the time of 30. So they've got a lot of years ahead of them when they have to generate income. And the money they've earned in that, um, you know, 10 or 12 year career, that very short career may not last them the rest of their lives. And some of them, like your Gary Linekers, 
um, and your your Roy Keynes um, and Gary Nevels have gone on to have successful broadcasting careers. But that's because they've they've used their voice nicely. They have a nice voice which allows them to be or helps them be listenable to. Um, and if you don't develop that skill, then obviously for that particular footballer, uh, his career will be cut short uh, and that option will be closed off to him because he hasn't developed his communication skills. We talked about the importance of, of listening, of being present. Um, and I did the um, the improv technique of last letter, first letter, where you pair up. Um, you start a conversation about anything between the two of you and then the other person has to listen to the last letter of the last word that you say and then start their next sentence with that letter. And it, it certainly generated some energy in the room that the kids you know, kind of got into it. Um, and I did then make the point that it forces you to listen to the end of what someone says and helps to prevent that rather bad habit of storing up the next thing that you want to say while the other person's still speaking to you, which is a habit that, that many of us have. I talked about the importance of being able to present to an audience um, and how that's such a valuable and, and highly prized skill um, in, the, in the workplace, particularly in professional circles. I talked about the power of storytelling uh, no surprise there, my, my favourite topic. I told them the story of um, Mushy from a TV series called Educating Yorkshire, where um, this, this young man had a really bad speech impediment, a, a very bad stutter, um, and he was taken under the wing, or uh, his English teacher, uh, Mr Burton, took him under his wing, um, spent some time with him, and tried a technique which he'd seen in the movies. It was in the film The King's Speech. If you've watched this with um, Colin Firth playing the role of the king, who um, had a, a very, very bad stutter. And he managed to overcome it with the help of a speech coach uh, called Lionel Logue, who got him to listen to some music on headphones while he was reading out some text um, and it was almost error-free. So Mr. Burton said, well, let's, let's try this. I've seen this in the movies. Let's see if it works. And it did work for this young man in educating Yorkshire. Um, and then he went on to give a speech in front of his assembly at school, which was very moving to watch. Um, he's actually done a degree now in broadcast journalism. And he's earning a living... Um, at least partly from public speaking as being a motivational speaker. So that was a really, really inspiring story. So I wanted to, to emphasize the point that, you know, public speaking and the ability to share inspiring stories is a really important skill. And the last two was the importance of curiosity. Um, so rather than just simply saying in response to Miss Thorpe's question, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> By all means, say you don't know, but saying, but is it a little bit like that? Because it seems similar to me, but I'm not quite sure. So at least you can add something after saying you don't know by showing an interest in finding out the right answer uh, much better than just simply blanking it by saying I don't know. And then finally, one of my favourite topics, th this idea of building a library, 
a library of experiences, a library of knowledge that you can then use in an improvised situation, like in a conversation or indeed, um, you know, positioning a story of some kind or a, a case study or a, a metaphor within uh, a pre-prepared presentation. So the, the upshot of the talk was that the students uh, seemed to really enjoy it. They were talking to the teachers uh, during that afternoon, which was very heartening to hear. Um, but I just mention all of this because I, I, I'm so passionate about the, the power and the importance of really good verbal communication, whether that's in a, in a, a, a pre-positioned sense of being, you know, de delivering a stage presentation of some kind, whether it's in, in the workplace, whether it's a TED talk or whatever, a pre-prepared presentation, a PPP, or whether it's in a conversation. Uh, and somebody described a conversation once as a spontaneous speaking situation. <laughs> it's a great term, a fancy term for a conversation. So if you can get good at either or preferably both of those things, goodness me, these are super skills, superpowers to take forward in your life. Uh, so this is a message really not just for the younger people who need to develop these skills, but also for all of us not to get sucked into um, this sort of habit of communicating digitally all the time. Pick up the phone, speak to people face to face, or even better, meet them face to face and embrace the time that you're physically with each other or fully present in a conversation because it is in danger of becoming um, well, almost like an endangered species if we don't keep practicing and keep working on that muscle. Keep it in good shape. That's all for now from Leaning Forward. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and do check out my fellow podcaster, Jackie Goddard, and her show, Power to Speak. You can find it where you normally listen to your podcasts or on YouTube at Power to Speak, the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time. Mm -hmm.